Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mishana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Envision Together, going to our next level best. I'm so excited today for our interview. I have Veronica Williams with us, and I know that she has so much to share, and I want her to just start by telling us more about herself. Hi, Pamela. It's good to be here. I am a licensed minister, a master certified life coach, a mother, first of all, a wife, a mother of three. Um, I have an older son and twins, and I'm I'm so much more a sibling and just available to be a vessel used by God. Thank you. And I know we're going to talk and touch on so many of those different aspects of your life. So again, welcome. And let's just go ahead and jump into the interview itself. So I know you're a minister and you've just shared that with us. Please tell us what your journey as a female minister has been. What are the ups and downs and how did you discover your calling and purpose in the first place? Well, my journey actually began with me just starting to serve. I started, I accepted Christ at a young age. My family was um, a religious, well, I had served Christ. My parents were deacon and deaconess leaders. Hmm. Um, in church, and I seem to have picked up the the mantle from that and, and just began to develop a relationship with Christ at a very young age, continue to serve in so many different capacities, even in my young teenage years. And just as the years went on in life, in college and afterwards, I just served in so many different capacities, which led me to my What are some of those college. capacities? Uh, when I was a teenager, I was secretary of the Sunday school. As I grew up and went to college and came back, I was a part of our women's missionary um, group. Over the years, I've been involved in women's ministry. I was actually a leader of women's ministry. I led mm-hmm. a women's Bible study. And these are some of the things that led up prior to me feeling as though God was calling me to be a minister. Um, there were different levels of elevation in ministry at my church. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I was asked to be something else, I would do it. Once I became to have children, um, that was some of the reasons why I had to turn some things down. Um, while I was pregnant with my oldest son, I was asked to be an elder in the church. My husband was still in the military, so that was going to be difficult to try to make it to those meetings. So I had to decline that. Throughout those years, he was growing. By the time he was three, I was pregnant with twins where they were asking me again. I was like, I'm sorry, I have to really 
step back now because now I have twins. And so when my twins got about seven years old, I felt the urging of God telling me no more excuses. This is a good age. This is the time to just make that move now, you know. Has it been different as a as a woman? Um, I do hear already in your story that, you know, even just the fact of having kids, <laughs> that makes it different. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What makes it different for my journey is that uh, my church, we have women and men, not to really say gender specific, because I really hate that. We're all human, right? Right. But as a leader in our church, my husband and I um, are the only couple where he is the associate pastor. Mm -hmm. I am only one of the wives out of all of them that are married, every one of them um, are married, that felt an, a nudge that God had called me to preach. Okay. Not just to preach, but to teach. Mm -hmm. I was like, God, are you serious? You know? <laughs> and I remember going on a women's retreat and it was after a week where I felt God was telling me that I've been called. What that calling was, I assumed, it was just uh, to be an elder as I had been asked previous years to be, but that wasn't the case. When I was on that retreat, I had such a blessed time and um, it was the, the person that was speaking was praying for everyone. And when that individual got to me, he said, you've been called. Uh, and it, it, first of all, it took him a while to get to me. And when he got to me, he said, you've been called. And I guess to him, I had a look of Sarah when God said, you're going to have a child, you know, that when hmm. Sarah laughed, right? So he turned away from me and he came back. He said, no, not your husband, but you. And so I felt like that was a Sarah moment because in my mind, I was like, no, my husband is a preacher. I'm not going to let nobody try to put me as a preacher because he's a preacher, right? So you hadn't heard from God yourself yet. I, earlier in the week, I had heard God said that I am called. Okay. I had assumed maybe it was going to be in the elder capacity. Mm. But elders, there are some elders that also preach. There are also, depending on your denomination and how your church function in ministry. So I prayed on that. And it was it was time. I had scheduled a meeting with my pastor. I let her know what I had been feeling. I felt that this is what is on my life right now. And I just needed to just get it out, talk it over uh -huh. <laughs> with somebody um, other than my husband. And so as a result, she did invite me to come and sit in on the ministers that were in training at that time. I did sit in with them. I actually had to do a sermon with them. This was just an exploratory. Did you class. have butterflies approaching her to talk about this or was it just calm or... I had butterflies to talk about it, but I knew it had to come out. You know how sometimes okay. something is in you so much and you just can't sleep. You can't rest. You like wrestling. Mm -hmm. And the only way it was going to be is that you just go ahead and accept it. You know, right. stop the resistance. Stop. You know, what? what is it that uh, causes you not to want to do it? Right. And one of the things that maybe had me have that resistance was that my husband was already serving in a minister capacity. And I did not want others to think that I was trying to compete with my husband because our mm -hmm. life has never been that. 
because people see that a man is doing something or the spouse is doing something. Mm-hmm. And when the woman is coming up to do it, they immediately try to make some comparisons. And you know what's so interesting? When I was called into the ministry, I come from a family of of ministers and I struggled because I thought we already have ministers in our family. It couldn't possibly be another one. (laughs) I was like, am I just trying to say this about myself just because? And no, God makes it very, very clear. But you know what? I also know that you come from a family of 11 siblings and you're the seventh sister. And that means something really special and spiritual to you. So how do you how does this relate to your sense of purpose? I believe that when I was called into my family, that seventh daughter of 11, I completed the family. There was no more beyond me. You know, and I felt as though God was saying that I that I was the completion to be number seven, a number seven girl that it was it was completed. My parents legacy, my parents family had been completed with the last child. And so that has really that's what meant something to me, how it goes. And so with that, I also felt that God was calling me. Because I love God at such a young age when I really got to know Jesus Christ for for myself, not just based on my family, going to church every Sunday or going to events and things How like that. How old were you? I was um, around eight, around eight. Well, I was 10 when I got baptized, but I was serving God the whole time. And one of the things about me is that in our Sunday school class, even when I was about going when I started Sunday school going to Sunday school I was about five kindergarten age where you can read and you can answer questions even if you listen I always won the prize every Sunday every Sunday when they every Sunday they gave out a prize and I won my first Bible in church and even into my teenage years, they, they still did. Who can answer all the questions? Now, there were times when I did just try not to answer to give other kids a, a, a chance. But That's by the time nice. at, that, at that age, you knew to do that. And I have similar memories about, about certain uh, situations. But I do want to circle back just for a quick second. So you said that being the seventh sister and the youngest your family was complete. And I just wanted to, you said that's what it meant to you, but I just wanted to help the audience members know, because not everybody may know that the number seven represents in the things of God uh, or biblically speaking to represent completion. Well, biblically, yes. Biblically, the number seven represents completion. And for me, it gave me a sense of, I was completing my family, but at the same time, knowing that I was beginning to walk a life with Christ, that I was able to, I had to do the things of God. I had to be sold out for him. So it literally I had to make made sure that feel I feel special. It made me feel special. And I also sensed that there was a calling on my life when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And the way that I did that is I just served. I served as a teacher. I served as a leader. I, I served in so many different capacities as, as to how I channel that in. 
Okay. And didn't know how each time I was getting somewhere, it uh, it just up the ante, basically, you know, mm-hmm. um, the level of responsibility, the level of leadership I began to go, which is where I am now as a licensed minister sitting on the rostrum of my church. But even now, I'm in a season of growth where God, over the last couple of weeks, of just saying, um, there's a next for you. Absolutely. And so I've been wrestling with that. Uh, what does that mean for me? And no matter where you serve in ministry, no matter where you begin, there's always a next. And always. so you have to take time to pray, to read your Bible, to set aside some devotional time to really hear how God has it for you. And then because God is very clear. I, I like how you said that, how he has it for you, because It is such an individual thing. God could be talking to each of us and saying, this is a season of growth. This is a year of growth. But what it looks like for you doesn't look the same for the person next to you. So it's such an individual journey to do, like you said, slow down and spend that time so that you can hear and receive direction. I like to think, I know it's popular, it may even sound cliche, but I go back to Psalms 23, Lord, you are my shepherd. Sometimes I just say parts of it in my, in my prayer, lead me beside the still waters, lead me in the green pastures. And I'm not even just talking about a degree of comfort. I'm talking about just overall guidance about everything in my life. I know you're up to a lot. And in a prior conversation, you mentioned this phrase, I'm not whole unless my sisters are whole. What do you mean by this? And have you used it to guide your overall sense of purpose in any way? Yes. I want to say that statement came to me while I was teaching a women's Bible study in 2005. I didn't know what it meant, but I immediately wrote it down. And God, you know, sometimes God tells you something and you forget it. Yes. He actually had me remember it, right? <laughs> so he I was helps so us. <laughs> he helps us in our weakness. Yes. And even if we don't have good sense, because we know we're going to forget it. Yes. I I just committed to write things down in a journal in the last two years, I'm ashamed to say, because I've heard it for years, but it means so much when I look back. I may have forgotten something that he said to me, but if I read through it, I'll actually see, oh, he keeps saying this again and again, and you're just forgetting some of it. Yes. And I don't even remember the topic of the Bible study, but what but what we were talking about, I allowed every woman to share. And every woman had something that they felt broken about, mm. whether it was a bitter divorce, mm-hmm. an unhappy marriage, or a marriage that was going through some issues. I kind of thought about that a little bit more this last couple of weeks. Like, what was really going on with that? Someone was struggling in their singleness after divorce, after being married for so many years. And then some was struggling with singleness. It was just a plethora, health issues, everything. And I think that I am not whole unless my sisters are whole. Initially, I thought it was something God wanted me to do because I am, I had so many sisters. I thought it was about my sisters. But we all know that when we become in Christ um, and have a relationship with him, 
everyone that believes that is a believer is our sister and our brother. And those ladies that day, they were my sisters. And so I was walking whole as their leader to lead and guide them that I was able to realize that that meant it was my responsibility to see that these women become whole. It was my responsibility to take time aside and spend with each and every one of them to deal with, to pray with them on each of their individualized concerns. And that's what that meant to me. And I've been holding on to that for so, so long. Um, just because I felt like that is where God, that, that's been my thing. All about women's ministry, all about meeting men and women, children, parents, everyone that I deal with. Ensuring that I listen with the ear to really hear what they're saying and that I pray for them for that. Mm -hmm. um, because that's so key. And one of the things that I learned is that when I hear someone say, can you pray for me? And we'll say, sure, we'll pray for you. But by the time that person probably got home that was at, they probably forgot. Mm -hmm. And so one thing God said to me and that I learned out of that as well is that don't wait to pray. Ask them, do you mind if I, if I pray now instead of later on my own? Mm -hmm. Because I want, it's their issue, it's their concern. They need to hear what I'm praying for. But number one, before I pray for anyone, I want to hear what they need me to pray for. Not just for what I want to pray. Because you got to be careful who prays for you. And you got to be careful as to whose pulpit or whose presence you sit in. I agree 100%. I'm very careful about those things. I think it's just such a lovely way or phrase that God gave you in that statement. I'm not whole unless my sisters are whole. And it resonates with me because in my walk with God, I just believe that there's different areas in my life where I have strengths and weaknesses. And I'll go through a season where it seems like God will target a particular weakness and he will strengthen me in that area. And whenever he does that, I feel like, wow, I have a revelation. I'm, I'm whole in this area. And even if I'm not fully whole, I've taken steps and I see people who haven't taken the steps that at least I've taken so far and I feel, as you did, a responsibility to reach back and help them and show them what I'm learning in a particular area. And so I wouldn't, I don't say I'm not whole unless my sisters are whole, but I think I live my life. If I see areas where I can be of help, even if I just know something by way of education or I understand something, I know that. I have something in my hand that can help another person. I try to do it. And that's exactly what it's about. You know, <laughs> the, not, not being idle. You know, we got people that are busy, busy. But in this case, it's that you're in tune to the things that are around you yeah. and being able to add uh, whatever you have to help that other person. You know, so often as women, we see other women struggling, but no one you either talk about them, but no one say, hey, you know what, let me go help them. And mm -hmm. that's the compassionate piece 
and the empathetic compassion that God has placed in me is that even if you ask my sisters, I don't talk about people. I'm like, they're like, oh, I can't tell you nothing about so-and-so because you always got, you know, you always high and mighty. It's not that I'm high and mighty, but I'm like, instead of talk about people and push them down, how about go help them? Mm-hmm. And that's a way that God showed me also in all of that, we have misplaced admiration for people, mm-hmm. you know? And what that means is that sometimes we talk about people in such a bad way, but really, if we take time and give thought to it, we really admire what that person is doing mm-hmm. and they're doing it good. And instead of saying, hey, oh, I see where you're going. What we call haters. It's that kind haters. of Yeah, you're haters. Ah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that. It's just that we should be able to, as women and as men, everything is gender neutral, you know, because it, it works both sides. Why don't you say, hey, I saw how you did that. I like how you're doing that. I, I, I you know, Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm interested in that. Do you mind yes. sharing? Do you mind having lunch with me and just sharing that about how you got there? And maybe give me some tools on if I share with you about me, what I might do next. I love so, that. And it's I, so and, true. And, what people who talk about others who are at least trying to go to another level, even if they're messing up in some areas, you may not admire all of it. Sometimes it's not that what they're doing is so grand yet. You just admire the fact that they took the steps to even try. And I agree with you. That actually is a show of your own insecurity if you can't cheer that person forward. So and what I learned is truly confident people yep. try to pull others up, build people up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing about that is the truth be told, we all struggle with something. Absolutely. So that might just be that person's thing. But, you know, if we focus on our thing, Absolutely. we won't have to worry about the other person. You know, I don't know if it's the Canton Spirituals or anybody, because a, a little quartet group, they say, if you take six months to get out of my business <laughs> and six months to get in your business, you'll be fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that means by the time the new year roll around, you'll be where you need to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's how I interpret it, right? <laughs> I'm not familiar with that one, but you did trigger another thought. There's a song from my youth. It used to say, they sung it in church and they said, um, Mind your own business. And they would repeat that a couple of times. Mind your own business. Before you leave to come and clean up my house, go home and clean up your own. Mind your own business. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That that song in my thought might kind of intertwine with what you're saying. <laughs> but you it know, goes what? back to the whole, if you see a speck in my eye, and you have a beam in your eye. You have a whole tree in your eye. Yeah. And you trying to, you can't even see to take the speck out of my eye because you have a tree in yours. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's learning to how to accept people for who they are. Yes. And not for who we want them to be. Yes. And so we learn we learn to get along and to to live harmoniously with people when we don't have no judgment and we allow people to be who they are. Your struggle may be your struggle. I got one too. Your thing is your thing, you know, but if I see that you're, if it's hindering you, it's my responsibility now that I have knowledge about it to go and help you. And that's the whole thing about, I I am not whole unless my sister is whole. I agree 100%. And you know, 
people probably are going to say, I say this a lot, but (laughs) what you're talking about is actually the whole premise of my show. Take all of us, not just me alone. I don't know everything. I'm not good at everything. But if I keep talking to people who are good at a plethora of different things, together we're meeting the needs of whoever's listening that can glean from what we know. We're trying to help other people go to their next level as we pursue going to our own next level. Yes. And and just think of it like this, like when I get to my next level, I, I should have left where I left for someone else that can walk in it smoothly, mm-hmm. you know, not have to struggle like, in it. You know what I mean? It's almost like, you know, bringing up a project, you know, they um, should have and, an easier way because you've already been there. Yeah. Like you're a good example. Yeah. Like a trailblazer, literally. Yeah. I've gone through these terrains and I've already cleared it. Why do you have to do it again? Just go through the path I I left. That's a beautiful way to look at it. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's just how I live my life to try to make sure that, you know, wherever I am, I'm not idle, but I'm there to be of help. You shouldn't sit still and just watch things go by. You know, we're not still cameras. Life is moving and you're still in the same place. We need to move and we need to help others move to where they are and where they and that's really what it is. I love your heart around all of that. And to me, that's part of what makes me feel like we're sisters. (laughs) (laughs) So now I want to talk a little bit about some challenging things about life. I know you've experienced two miscarriages. Uh, I know you lost your eldest sister on the day that your son was born and that your son has a physical challenge with his heart. So would you open up and just share, be a bridge for people who may have faced or may still be facing similar challenges or maybe not those, but just struggling in some way, because the struggle of it, the challenge of it is universal, though the topic around what your struggle is may vary. But will you share uh, how those challenges made you feel or still makes you feel? How does it make you think, behave, the plethora of emotions that human beings can go through? And how do you overcome it? Yes, I have gone through some things. And let me just preface this is that in life, we all go through so many things. It's just that do we have the tools or the people around us to help us get through it? It's been 18 years ago. I had my son and my husband had to share the the worst news that he probably had to do in his entire life. And that was to tell me on the day that I gave birth or the day after I gave birth that my sister had passed away the same day that I gave birth. Interesting enough, of course, I cried and he didn't see me doing it, but I was praying like, God, how am I going to get through this? She was coming in a couple of weeks. So we talked about, you know, to help me. Uh, What am I to do? You know, and. You know, one thing God said, it is well with your soul. He quickened my spirit to get into a mindset to have the right focus. Don't worry about that she's not here. But was she saved? 
the life that she lived, that you loved her so much? Is it something about her that you could be reminded and implemented in your in your parenting? Um, because you watched her with two sons. You watched her as a wife. You Now you're just walking right there. Um, when you got married, she had been with you and she was showing you even before you got married. She was showing you. And you were particularly so was, close to her. I was particularly close to her. I was close. To, all, all my sisters were my best friend. But this was our oldest sister who we kind of looked up to. You know, other people look for other people outside of their families as their mentors. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to have an inside job, an inside mentor, <laughs> um, and, and, and a good one at that. She was accomplished. She was a, uh, an author herself. She was a business entrepreneur. She was everything um, that you could even ask in a sister. Mm-hmm. The most important thing that she was, she was a believer in God. Mm-hmm. And the last few years prior to me getting married, um, we spent a lot of time together where it was instrumental for her life. And I now now, you know, after the fact, I realized it was I played an instrumental piece spiritually for her. She was married. She would go to church, but church wasn't consistent um, because of her entrepreneur positions and everything else. They got in the way. But I would say about the last maybe six years of her life, she really was so I forgot. She was serving in church. She was in plays that were religious based. Um, first time in a play. And the first time in a play, she played the woman with an issue of blood. I wasn't able to go, but she we talked about the scriptures. I would help her over the phone because we didn't have Zoom back then to get into that role. And the night that she did it and performed it, my mom and my sisters that had gone said, oh, gosh, she did an immaculate job. (laughs) You would have thought that she was it. Right. But I helped her in that way. So that was a bittersweet moment, you know, bitter um, because my sister, I lost my sister, my oldest sister. And then it was also the first person of my immediate family. We had always been there for other relatives and other friends and family, but never did we experience this in my own family. And so that was that bittersweet. It wasn't now my son is 18 and I have joys about him. I never kind of got around in a, in a depressive state around his birthday. It made me do more. It made me just make sure that he had the best birthday and that I was the best that I could be around his birthday. It's beautiful. And so you just have to learn how to channel those bittersweet moments into some joy mm-hmm. um, and find ways to do it. For me, it was my spiritual life. It was my family and it was my village, my spiritual village. The so you surrounded home. yourself around people who could keep you focused on the things of God, keep you focused on positive thoughts, support you if you had a weak moment and things like that. Yes. And that's been my entire life. You know, Mm -hmm. the friends that I had were all Christians. You know, we all had a um, thriving marriages. We were all right there for each other when we've all, because not only did I, you know, there's things around me or people were around me that had experienced these uh, death and experienced losses. I, like you said, prior to having my oldest son, I had two miscarriages. Mm-hmm. So those things, and how do you get through them? I was hurt. I was, you know, like you go through one miscarriage, but to go through two, 
for me, I was so sold out in my life. I didn't really question God. But what I would say is I did ask God, is it meant for me to have children? Do you want us to continue to try? Is it really going to be a health issue for me? What do you need me to do? I talked to my doctors. I had very great doctors. And the last doctor, she said, you had a miscarriage because of X, Y, and Z. But scientists, uh, uh, technology has come that if you do try again, we have a solution that will help you. But it's going to require you to be on bed rest. And I got on bed rest. And that's how I was able to conceive my son in a way that was healthy. And he was a healthy child. And then I got pregnant with my twins and I had to use the same technique and and to be put on bed rest as well. And, you know, life has some bittersweet things that happen to us, but they really are to strengthen us in our weakness and they're to grow us and to um, build us up. Because not only do we go through things in our life, but we're going to meet someone else that experienced the same things that we do. I was pregnant. That's how we can be that help. As you said, I'm not whole as my sisters are whole. Exactly. If you haven't been through anything, how can you relate and feel what others feel and understand? Yeah. And being compassionate and, you know, and empathetic, you know, Um, I must say that when I had my twins, a fraternal twins, a boy and a girl, and my son had a heart condition. And so with that heart condition, we had to go through several things with it. Um, at the time, I also had a co-worker who went through a pregnancy with me. And I had my son. And a few months later, she had her daughter. And I had to be off work a little bit to go back and forth for my son's surgeries, to be available, to go back and forth to the doctor's. And my boss called me in the office and she said to me, she said, do you mind if to talk to one of our coworkers? Because I know that she's going through the same thing that you're going through. And she was just in a burst of tears. She's not, you know, doing very well with the news. And because I know what you went through, I think you would be very helpful to help her. And as a matter of fact, I helped her in more ways than I can even imagine that she and her husband still think about it. But she had a daughter that was born with some of the same things as my son. My son, on the other hand, didn't wasn't as severe as her daughter who had to go through multiple surgeries. Mm-hmm. But in introducing her, when she told me her story and the hospital where they were, it was going to be their first surgery as basically her daughter was going to be the prototype for it. I said, well, no. She said, I don't know what you feel about it. I said, let me tell you about my doctor. My doctor drew this, and I showed her. I said, he drew this picture of my son's heart. He drew this picture and told me where he was going to take some of the um, tissue from and place it somewhere else. I said, and he's ranked top-notch here in, in Maryland. And I said, let me email him. I emailed the doctor. And he said, absolutely, give her my number. And I gave her the number. They set up the doctor's appointment. He became her doctor for her daughter for a number of years. And her daughter is thriving today. She's had to go through many surgeries, but through those surgeries, she's doing well. She's thriving as a, as a young child now. And 
if I had not told her my story, we don't know where her daughter would have been. If I had been selfish enough to let people know what I was experiencing, Mm. I wouldn't have been able to be a help. So So sometimes it's good to be transparent. I mean, I'm not saying don't lay everything on the line because there are boundaries (laughs) that we have to set, right? right? But you, when you discern when it's time to be transparent, that it's going to help and benefit someone else. We need to not hold back and to share. And that was one of the things that I did. Yes, it was so personal, but yet it was to help someone else who was going to go through the same type of personal situation and had no way of knowing how to get through it, where to go. And um, one, and thing, to call. one thing I've learned that's similar to some of what you shared is when I'm going through a struggle, even in the midst of my struggle, if you actually take so much focus off of yourself and you try to help somebody else, you in turn actually get helped. It's it's just, I don't know, just the way it is. So for if me, for no I've other reason, then you're not focusing on yourself so much. <laughs> yes. And so I've learned because when I focus on myself, I get in my head. And my head tells me that I'm going to about to have a, a, a pity party. And then I want somebody else to come join my pity party. But I've learned to get out of my head and to get into my heart and to pray and to, to rely on God to help me, to serve him, to do what I need to do. And then just to share and expose others to that. And even with that, I had to, it was even showing her, my coworker, where my faith was. Right. Didn't know how it was going to turn out for my son, but I knew who the chief physician was over the chief doctor that was going to be doing the surgery of my son. You know what I mean? And even when I was told when I was pregnant that one of the kids, one of the twins had something going on and they wanted me at that point, they said it might not, you know, may have all of these issues. I said, and I silenced myself and I said, you know what? They don't know my God. They don't know my God. Okay. This doctor is a doctor, but they don't know that I know the the master chief <laughs> physician. He's a chief physician of this hospital, but exactly. I know the master chief exactly. physician of all doctors, right? right? And I prayed about it. My husband and I, we prayed together about it. We kept, you know, and we said, no, we're going to go through it. And fun, And if we hadn't, we wouldn't have our son. But God is so good. And yeah. I just have to share that with people. And I have to let you know that, you know, you have to share your story. Absolutely. Because you're, cause all that we go through really isn't really for us. People see the aftermath of it, but they don't know what you go through. But when you go with someone that is, you walk with someone that is walking in your shoes or that is walking halfway in some of the circumstances that you go through, you just be available, be be willing to help, be willing to serve. And when you're a Christian, your story is his story. It's, It's God's story. So we need to share it and and spread the word and, and people can learn and glean from that and become whole also. Yes. People will not know who Christ really is until they see an actual true Christian showing actions are not just words. I'm not just saying I'm a believer, but the actions and the way that I walk and the, the how I do things, my, you know, my character Right. demonstrates that and that is what is supposed to draw people to want to know him right so we are 
toward the end of the show now. And I'm just going to ask you for a final gem that you can leave with the audience today. The single most important thing that you want them to remember if they don't remember anything else that you said, (laughs) you want them to (laughs) hold on to this particular thing. What would it be? You're not in it alone. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your situation is, you're not in it alone. You have to look around you and find the resources that are there. And the thing about the resources, it can be organizations, it can be people, and it can just be someone that you know to help you walk through that painful situation and circumstance. So I think overall, and part of being whole, we have to realize that we're not in it by ourselves. Absolutely. And that we're to, you know, we have to be each other's keeper. Like, you know, I am my brother's and sister's keeper. And right. so we need to realize that on a daily basis that we have to look at who is in my circle that I can help mm-hmm. or who can help me. Mm-hmm. And it's not always reciprocal from the people that you help, but it will come. That's great. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Veronica, for being on my show. And is there any information you'd like to share about how my audience might get in touch with you? Yes. One thing I did not mention is a part of the life coaching, the being a certified master certified life coaching is that I am also a co-owner or co-founder of Alliance Seminars Coaching. So if anyone is in need, you're able to come and get one-on-one marital coaching, as well as leadership coaching for organizations. And we can be reached on Facebook as Alliance Coaching, Alliance Seminars Coaching, Mm -hmm. or either um, you can find us on our website at allianceseminars.org. Beautiful. Thanks so much for being my guest. Thank you, Pamela. (laughs) You're welcome. It's my pleasure to have you. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.